Welcome to the Whole Assistant Podcast. I'm your host, Annie Kroner. I'm an assistant who's passionate about our profession, and I'm also a certified coach who's invested in your success. You've come to the right place if you want to know what it looks like to stand in your power and achieve success as an assistant free from overwhelm and burnout. Now, on to today's episode. Hello, friends. How are you today? Today, we are talking about boundaries again. So over at the Whole Assistant Membership, we are doing a deep dive into boundaries. I taught a training earlier this month that was very meaty. And also, this comes up a lot in my coaching. So when I'm coaching my clients in my membership, boundaries come up a lot because they are tricky for us as humans, as assistants. And so yeah, today I'll be talking about when boundaries aren't actually boundaries at all. So what do I mean when I say boundaries aren't actually boundaries at all? Well, it's kind of funny because I noticed on social media this trend that when people cut people out of their lives, they're like, I set a really clear boundary and this is my boundary and they, and I don't want to, I don't want people to be in my life anymore. So I'm cutting them out. That's not actually setting a boundary that is building a wall. So boundaries are meant for connection. They are meant to help us connect with others by creating a safe container for the relationship. And so I love to think of boundaries in this way because it's so much more helpful when we think of boundaries as something that will be helpful for us in creating relationship, not keeping people out of relationship. Um, so when I mean what I mean when I say boundaries is setting parameters around your time, energy, and personhood. I'm going to say that again. Boundaries help us set parameters around our time, energy, and personhood. That is what a boundary is, especially for the sake of this episode, especially when I talk about boundaries in my membership to my assistants um, who are in my membership. So we're going to talk about, um, about what this looks like. Boundaries aren't meant to keep people out, and they are also not an attempt to control others at all. Boundaries are simply how you decide to show up for you. That may affect someone else, of course, but boundaries are about how you're deciding to show up for yourself first and foremost. It's not about trying to control the other person or trying to get the other person to fall in line or trying to get the other person to do something specific or act a certain way or be a certain way. It's really about how you're deciding to show up for yourself in relationship to others. So also, I want us to be very clear here, like boundaries are made intentionally, not as a knee-jerk response. And I'm going to dive into what this means in a minute, but like boundaries are meant to be something that you set up intentionally for the purpose of connecting with someone else. Boundaries should be made from a place of love and or respect. And I love to think about it this way. So Like if you're, say you've got a pushy parent who wants to be over at your house all the time, right? And you want to maintain a connection with them, but you don't want them at your house all the time. So a boundary that you may set from a place of love and or respect for your parents may be something like, Hey mom, um, I, I love that you want to be, come over. I love that you want to hang out with us. I love that you want to see the kids, but if you come over unannounced, I'm not going to answer the door. That's a boundary because you're saying that you need her to, to, to call before she shows up and not just show up unannounced, right? <laughs> if it, now, only bring this up if she's showing up unannounced and you don't want her to show up unannounced, right? That's, that's first and foremost. But 
obviously that's that's the parameter we're setting here around our time and our energy and our personhood and it can be done from a place of love and respect and so if mom shows up you've already told her how you're going to respond and she's she comes up she comes unannounced you've already told her how you're going to respond you're not going to answer the door right and you can totally love your mom you can totally respect her but you're just not going to answer the door because you've come up with this boundary, you've you've made it known to your mom that if she shows up unannounced, you're not going to answer the door. So that's how you're deciding to show up for the situation, right? You aren't saying, mom, don't come over and, and answering the door and getting all frustrated and flustered and then demanding that she change her behavior. You're just saying that if she behaves in this way, you're going to respond in this way. Also note that, that, that the parameter you're setting here with your parents or in my example here that I'm setting with the parent is, um, is not, is related, like, like the consequences related to the action, right? I'm not saying mom, if you show up unannounced, I'm going to not bring rolls to Sunday dinner, right? They're completely unrelated things. You're saying, if you show up, I'm going to respond in this way. So that's what setting a healthy boundary looks like. And it should be set from a place of love and respect. And also for the purpose of connection. So that when you know your mom is coming over, you can look forward to that. You can prepare for that. You can actually connect with your mom in the way that you want to. And you don't feel obligated or pushed around or some sort of resentment because she showed up unannounced. Boundaries are also not a way to punish someone. So if I were going to be, if I set up that boundary from a place of punishment, like mom, if you show up from my, at my house unannounced, I'm just not going to answer the door. And your intention there is to punish her in some way. It doesn't feel good. And it's not setting a healthy boundary. So I, I want us to pay attention to our motivation around setting boundaries and make them with intention, not as a way to punish, right? Uh, but as a way to protect ourselves and as a way to set parameters around our time, energy, and personhood. Also, boundaries are made for you and against no one. So even the boundary with mom in the in the example I gave is that like I don't I don't want I don't want somebody to show up to my house unannounced and expect my time and energy and 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 whatnot. But that can be just something that you do for you. It doesn't have to be against anybody. We're, we don't have to make it adversarial with our mom, right? So boundaries should be made intentionally. They should be made from a place of love and respect for the purpose of connection, not as a way to punish what, some, someone that are for you and against no one. Now, there are times when you may need to actually build a wall, when you may actually not want to see or interact with anybody anymore, when you may want to complete the relationship, right? And so when we build a wall, I will give a couple examples of really valid reasons to build a wall. The first reason that we can build walls is when someone violates your personhood. So I'm talking physical, mental, or emotional abuse. When someone violates your personhood, a wall should be built. Um, or you can also set a boundary. So if someone's yelling at you, you can do an about face and just decide to leave. You do not need to communicate what the boundary is, especially when it violates your personhood. Now, in times when when it, when we're talking about, you know, time and energy, like mom coming over, it is helpful to communicate the boundary because if you're not answering your door, she won't know why. She may just keep on banging on your door, right? But if you communicated, hey, this is a boundary, 
then she knows. When it comes to personhood, you do not know you do not owe anybody an explanation. So if someone's yelling at you, you don't need to explain to them why you're leaving the room. If someone slaps you, you don't need to explain why you leave the room. Like you just leave, right? So that is a good example of when we need to build walls is when someone violates your personhood or when the relationship just doesn't serve you. I know sometimes we can be like, I think about a teenager when they're starting out in the world and they may have this friend who's not helpful to them, who's not serving them, who's pulling them down. I don't know, getting them into drugs, getting them in trouble with their parents, whatever, it would be a great opportunity for that teenager to build a wall, right? Like I cannot hang out with you anymore because of A, B, and C or whatever, right? So so there are a couple of instances where it is helpful to build a wall, but walls are not boundaries. Boundaries are made and set for the intention of connection and for the intention of protecting ourselves and creating a safe container for the relationship. So I do want us all to watch our motivation when setting boundaries, Um Boundaries are always made from a place of self-sufficiency. And so what do I mean by this? I'm going to delve into here a little bit about about the difference between self-sufficiency and (laughs) hyper-independence because they are different. Sometimes you may think you're setting a boundary, but really you're building a wall. Um, And and you know you're building a wall because of your motivation. So hyper-independence, I'm going to define that for you here, is choosing independence from others or cutting yourself off, even though it may negatively impact you. Okay, I want to read that again. Hyper-independence is choosing independence from others, even cutting yourself off, even though it may negatively impact you. So some examples of this are not letting another admin or assistant help you. I know that I know that this may like strike a chord with you, but just stick stick with me here for just a minute. Your exec's calendar. Let's just talk about your exec's calendar when on vacation. I've dealt with this several times in coaching assistants on both sides of this equation, both the executive assistant who's leaving for vacation and the executive assistant who wants to support someone else who's leaving on their vacation. Right. So. When your executive, when you when you go on vacation and your your executive's calendar needs attending, and you you want to set the healthy boundary of being off, um, or maybe you don't, but you you want to be off. You want to be on your vacation. You don't want to be in your executive's calendar when you're on your vacation, right? But oftentimes, assistants will not give up their rights or control over the calendar for a variety of reasons. Um, Now, I will say that if you and your exec have an understanding that his calendar is uber private and he doesn't want anybody else to manage it while you're on vacation, then that's 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 a conversation you need to have with him. If it's a situation where you could have coverage while you're gone and you're choosing not to because you think that um, you think that you're, that nobody else is going to be able to handle his calendar in the way that you would, and you want to know what's going on and you want to be the only one who manages his calendar. You may be operating from a place of hyper independence, not from a place of self-sufficiency, right? So self-sufficiency, sufficiency is like being enough, right? Um, and really, knowing who you are as a human, knowing that you're enough already and that you have nothing to prove. Hyper-independence comes from several different things. It can be a trauma response. (laughs) So if you're someone who suffered an illness, like I suffered my stroke, 
or if you've been made redundant or you've been fired, hyper-independence can be a trauma response to that. Um, I know for myself that when I, uh, after my stroke, when I went back to the office, I didn't want to take anybody's help because I needed to prove myself or I thought I needed to prove myself. And I didn't want anybody to step on my feet because I was I was having this trauma response of like I can do these things and my executive thinks I can't but I totally can so therefore like I'm going to be miss independent and I don't need anybody's help with anything. So, and it's very common in trauma <laughs> to be hyper independent. So, if this is you, that's okay. I've been there. I understand what you're going through. If you're sick or have been sick um or if you've been fired in the past and you're super nervous about not pulling your weight or whatever, totally normal, totally normal to have that trauma response. Another um, reason why we can be hyper-independent sometimes is as a response to fear. You just have a fear of losing your job or of not pulling your weight. And it may be not even a rational fear. Maybe it's not even based in trauma. Maybe it's not even based in anything. We just have this thing in our head that tells us that we're going to lose our job or we're not pulling our weight or we must do it all ourselves or else we're not a good assistant. So that's another example of a hyper-independent response, right? There's independence that's healthy and then there's independence that's like way not healthy where we can't even set a healthy boundary for ourselves because of this hyper-independence. And then there's hyper-independence as a result of being let down from in the past, which results in a lack of trust. So if you've ever left your um, your executive's calendar to someone else and they screw it up or they make a mistake, then you can tend to convince yourself that you're the only one who could do your job correctly. You're the only one who can manage his calendar correctly. Other people will just screw it up. And I know this because I've actually coached assistants past this before. <laughs> and, and so they people like like if you think that when you're on vacation other people are just going to screw it up and it's just better if you manage it and you're the only person who can do your job let me tell you you're not the only person who can do your job i used to think that i was the only person who could do my job i still believe that it would take several people to replace me but i do know that um that other people can manage the functions of my role right so just watch that just watch are you trying to set a boundary like if you're trying if you're trying to set a boundary from a place of hyper independence like no I'm not going to let anybody else manage my exact calendar I don't want help from anybody else I'm going to be super independent here it may not be the best motivation for setting a boundary it may not be the best place to approach setting a boundary um and so setting boundaries in, from self from a place of self sufficiency looks different so self-sufficiency be, means being adequate or enough for yourself emotionally. So when you stand in your own enoughness, knowing that you are enough as a human, that what you bring to the table is enough as a human, that opens up a lot of possibility in terms of collaboration, in terms of asking for the help that you need when you go on vacation with your exec's calendar, in terms of um, really owning your role from a place of enoughness and not from a place of lack, not from a place of, um, of, of anything missing from you or from yourself emotionally. And also creating boundaries from a place of self-sufficiency means we don't have to create walls to keep people out because we are whole already. So if you're approaching your work from a place of wholeness, 
and you're standing in your self-sufficiency, when it comes to setting boundaries, you'll be setting your boundaries from such a clean place, from such a collaborative place, from a place that has everyone's best interests at heart, including your own, right? And so that we don't, so we don't have to watch so much that, that sneaky hyper-independence rearing its ugly head. Now, I will say that like, it's hard to know like we really, this is what I talk about when I say we really need to be aware of our motivation for setting the boundary, because if we set it from a place of hyper-independence and we don't get to the root of why we're being hyper-independent, um, which there again, hyper-independence, I'm just going to reiterate the, the definition, choosing independence from others, even though it may ne- negatively impact you. So we want to make sure that we aren't negatively impacting ourselves by approaching our work and setting boundaries from a place of hyper-independence, which when you set your boundaries from a place of hyper-independence, it ends up being more like a wall because we aren't letting other people in. We, We aren't setting the boundary from a place of respect and collaboration or love even. We're setting it from a place of lack. And anytime we set a boundary or any do anything from a place of lack, it, it, it tends to bite us in, in the butt a little bit, right? Because like that hyper-independence negatively impacts you. When we, set our, when we set our boundaries from a place of self-sufficiency, meaning being adequate or enough for yourself, we already know we're enough. We, already, we are already whole. <laughs> so, so just watch your motivation for setting the boundaries. I also think that setting boundaries from a place of self-sufficiency leads to being intentional about setting boundaries because then we're setting parameters parameters around our time, energy, and personhood. It's not like we're having this knee-jerk response of like, nope, not going to let people do that. And I don't want to let people do that. I don't want to let people do that. And it's like, wall, wall, wall. No, no. We're setting our boundaries from an intentional place where we are already whole. We know that we're sufficient. We know that we're enough. We know that we want to connect with people and the way that we connect with people is by setting these healthy boundaries. An example of this is like leaving work on time, right? So if you want to have a personal life outside of your work and the the general consensus in your office is to, it doesn't really matter what the consensus is, but you feel that tinge of like not leaving the office on time, like you want to stay and continue, a pro- continue working on a project or get something done before you leave, or your boss is still at the office and you want to stay and be there for him or her, but yet you've set this boundary, like I want to leave on time so I can go spend time with my family, spend time resting, making sure I'm taking good care of myself. And also you don't want to feel resentment for your, for your work or for your executive. Um, and you want to connect with others and you're, setting the boundary intentionally from a place of self-sufficiency, this is going to look a lot different than like setting a wall and feeling resentful when you leave, even though you've set this wall and parameter for yourself. So, and, and leaving your work on time can help you connect with your executive when you are at the office. You'll feel more connected to him and less resentful, right? So I also just want to say that like boundaries can be fluid as well. They, they can have, they can breathe a little bit. They don't always have to be so rigid. Um, and I think, I think also when we set our boundaries from a place of self-sufficiency, we're not going to be punishing anyone because we're enough in ourselves and we're for ourselves and against no one. 
and we can just let other people have their response to our boundaries because that we don't have to make that that response mean anything about us. The boundary just is what it is. So setting your your uh, boundaries from a place of self-sufficiency is highly recommended. Highly recommend it. And I miss a mark on this too. I'm not always perfect with this, guys. I still have my fear sometimes and I'll still be like, what is going on? <laughs> and then I'll realize, oh, I'm actually trying to set a boundary for myself as a knee-jerk response to somebody acting poorly or as a knee-jerk response to um, myself being hyper-independent around something, right? Like, that's the great thing about this. Like life is a journey. Boundaries are a journey. But I did want to point out that sneaky, sneaky, sneaky thing of hyper-independence that we often wear as a badge of honor. Like like if we aren't taking our vacations and we're working through our vacations and all of that, we can tend to wear that as a badge of honor when it's actually not serving you. It's actually not serving you not to take your vacation because you need that time away. You need that respite. You need that time away from your work. You need that time of connection with yourself and with others that you cannot have when we're constantly on call during work. So just watch those things. Watch where you're setting boundaries from. Are you setting them from a place of hyper-independence or are you setting them from a whole place? Are you setting them from a place of self-sufficiency or being adequate or enough for yourself emotionally? Okay, guys, I hope this episode has been helpful when it comes to framing healthy boundaries for yourself. Um, If you're interested in exploring boundaries even more, I'd encourage you to join the membership this month. If you do, you'll get access to that that, um, class I taught on boundaries where I really do a deep dive into boundaries. But regardless, I hope you have a lovely day. Be intentional, be whole. That is all for now. If you're an assistant or administrative professional, I'd like to invite you to join me inside the Whole Assistant Membership. In this membership, we'll be unpacking and implementing the concepts I discuss on this podcast with monthly lessons and weekly group coaching. If you want to create sustainable strategies that will help you level up while remaining free from overwhelm and burnout, and learn what it looks like to own your role, use your voice, and stand in your power, this membership is for you. Go to wholeassistant.com slash membership to learn more and get started.